Welcome back to Adventures in Blockchain. So I'm Gregory from DAP University, and I've got my co-panelist Roman here, and also a special guest, Sean Lee from Fortmatic, to talk about building Web3 DAPs. So uh, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today, Sean. Yeah, thank you, Gregory. It's good to be here. Awesome. Yeah. And of course, as always, we've got Roman here. Hey, Roman. Hi, everyone. It's Roman Storm here. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to have this discussion today because um, you know Roman uh, invited Sean to the channel today, um, and I'm actually curious to hear a little bit more about their story, their their background together. But before we jump into all that, you know, Roman, sorry, not Roman, Sean, uh, Sean, you want to give us a really quick elevator pitch for what you all do at Fortmatic in case people listening aren't quite familiar. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Fortmatic is an SDK um, that you know, Ethereum blockchain developers can embed into their DAP um, so that they can use, you know, just their phone number to, you know, authenticate and interact with that, right? Therefore, you know, you know reducing so many steps to onboarding because um, users don't have to rely on uh, Chrome extensions. Yeah, very cool. I like that a lot. So maybe let's talk about that a little more so that people are, you know, crystal clear on the problem that you're solving. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the, the struggles that we're facing right now with onboarding users uh, with blockchain applications, dApps, whatever you want to call them, and, and then like specifically uh, the pain points that, that you all solve there. Right. You know, the, the most commonly known one is the, you know, uh, over 20 steps to get started with the DAP. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really um, also platform dependent, right? For example, most commonly used browser is Chrome um, on the desktop, but a lot of users are also on mobile, right? But mobile right. browsers, you know, um, through Twitter, that's how um, a lot of blockchain projects are discovered. Right. But when they click into the link, they can't get started right away, right? Before having to download a mobile wallet or remember to go back to their desktop and try out the cool app. So, um, you know, being able to just directly try out the application in a mobile web browser is a big deal. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we can really uh, solve. And, you know, in fact, uh, over 65% of our user interactions happen on the mobile web browser. Wow, very cool. Yeah, and it's just like a nightmare, you know, trying to convert people and customers, especially if you're talking about trying to do any kind of advertising or anything like that. It's like, you know, just like you said, if you see, you know, content floating around about your project and people try to click through, it's just like, <laughs> how do you get them from point A to point B without, you know, right. some crazy song and dance? And that's, that's awesome, man. Right. And also, you know, in, in countries like China, um, Chrome Web Store is banned, so yeah, you know it's it's not possible to use decentralized application. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, very cool. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, maybe some of the traction that you all have seen in in doing this. Do you have any like notable projects that uh, have started you know using your SDK and kind of what they've yeah. done? Do you have, do you have any, maybe case studies to say like, hey, this person got a lot more users because they used us? Um, yeah, um, I, I can't give exact numbers right now, um, but you know we uh, are very focused on getting DAP integrations. Right. So we have a lot of partners listed on our page, um, you know, some notable ones, you know, this week was actually great. We onboarded a lot of uh, new dApps like Banker, 
you know, one of the top five decentralized exchanges. Yeah, totally. Um, and, um, you know, one inch exchange, we have, um, um, you know, Tokenset, Zerion, Cent.co, Radar, yeah. right? There's, there's um, you know, we're on our way to getting Formatic integrated into, you know, most well-known apps. What was the most uh, like used the app uh, that have a, like a lot of users and success story when they integrated with a Fortmatic? Yeah, um, I'd say the top three are definitely um, sent uh, set token sets and Zerion. Uh, cool. Yeah, very cool. I'd be interested in talking to some of the, I've, I've actually interviewed some of those guys on my YouTube channel before over at DAP University. So I'd be curious to, maybe, maybe we'll have some of them on the, cha- on the uh, podcast soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing working with all these partners. Um, yeah, and that's, that's what made uh, Fortmatic successful too. Yeah, very cool. So just tell, you know, this is a pretty developer focused uh, podcast. So maybe tell us a little bit just about how the SDK works. Like what does it really, really do? Yeah. Um, so essentially it's really, really simple. Um, and I, you know, I care a lot about, you know, having a very frictionless like developer experience. Right. So what we did is, you know, we, we did a lot of, you know, hard work and testing so that, uh, Fortmatic works with existing Web3 applications. So essentially, if your app already works with MetaMask, there isn't that much code you have to change, right? So essentially, um, you, you only need to give users the option to select a Web3 provider in order to enable Fortmatic, right? And a very common use case is, you know, Fortmatic plus MetaMask, right, for different uh, types of audience. Um, kind of letting the user pick the different authentication options. Right. That makes total sense. So anybody who's maybe not quite familiar, so, you know, MetaMask is probably the most popular uh, Chrome extension that essentially turns your web browser into a blockchain browser. Um, And basically there's some tooling, a really common tooling that you kind of configure underneath the hood in your, in your web apps uh, in order to connect to this special browser extension to let your web browser talk to the blockchain. And what you're saying is people can rely on this existing tooling and just connect formatic the same way. Right? Yep. Yep. So this way, you know, the, the, the apps don't have to change their user experience that much, you know, like not change their code that much really anything like that. Right. Yep. Yeah, so that we can inter- get integrated easily and, and quickly so that um, the devs can start trying us out. Yeah, really? very cool. Yeah, and so how does it look like from the user perspective? Like, let's say I don't have a MetaMask and uh, I'm yeah. using some D app that has a Fortmatic. <clears throat> yeah, um, so, you know, essentially it looked like um, if you're familiar with Stripe Checkout, right? So it will pop up this kind of modal dialogue right, um, from the center of the page. Um, you know, in Stripe's case, it asks for credit card information, but for our case, it asks for um, user's phone number first. So user yeah. typing a phone number, um, then user will receive a SMS, uh, MS, SMS security code. And after the security code, um, the user has to type in their user set pin, right? And this is to help mitigate some of the SIM swapping concerns. 
um, and then after the user is authenticated, then this user can interact uh, with you know the DAP, sending transactions, interacting with smart contracts, you know, without having to kind of do any third-party installations. Wow, that's super easy. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm curious, like, what's your background? Like, how did you come up with you know such a neat product with a <laughs> yeah. <old Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, how'd you get into blockchain too? I think it's another question. Maybe we can get yeah. to that. Everybody seems like they've got a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is, uh, this is quite a journey. Um, I, uh, so before, uh, before Fortmatic, I was at a company called Docker. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was uh, you know product lead and, uh, and design lead there um, for their kind of um, developer-focused products. Um, and you know, one of the products um, that I worked on extensively is Docker Desktop, um, and uh, essentially, it's this you know very invisible um, application, but um, is actually being used by over millions of developers every month. Yeah, I've got the little uh, whale <laughs> in my uh, system tray right now. Yep, <laughs> yep. So that's uh, that's you know me uh, working closely with the founder. Um, the, the staff engineering team. So, um, you know, learned so much there about, you know, how to create great developer experience, right? And, and uh, part of it is actually staying out of developers' way, right? And, uh, and this is, um, you know, it's, it's actually quite challenging to build it, right? So there's a really interesting story um, with that um, whale icon. So we... Uh, you know, we had this, I, so before uh, Docker, I founded a company called Kitematic. So what it did was it made Docker accessible on the desktop, especially on Mac and Windows, when Docker was uh, predominantly Linux. So um, we created Kitematic, it's a UI around Docker, it's super easy to use. And, you know, after we launched it, we were acquired by Docker and, um, you know, since then we've been working on the product, but there was this issue, right? Where there was um, this dependency on VirtualBox. And, uh, you know, the problem, the problem with VirtualBox is um, it's, it's got a 30% failure rate for our user onboarding. Whereas user will try to install it and then it will fail and then the developer won't be able to set up Docker and try it out. Um, so that's a huge problem. So, um, you know, founder and a bunch of the team, we flew to France, uh, met up with Unikernels, which is like this, um, this amazing systems engineering team um, that was acquired. Um, and then, you know, over a, a week long hackathon, we, uh, um, you know, hacked the Mac kernel, exposed the internal hypervisor, and basically got rid of MetaMask. Sorry, no big deal. Meta. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> You know, there's you know some similarities with the drop-off there, um, but uh, um, you know, and that made a really slick uh, kind of smooth experience to um, um, to basically developer onboarding. So um, you know, that's one of the projects that I was most proud of. Um, but you know, I I feel like I need to you know learn more and pursue something else. So you know, I left Docker and. Um, um, started reading into Ethereum, right? And uh, 
yeah, instantly fell in love with it because there's it, it connects with so many things, right? Like politics, economy, finance, interesting like mathematic models, um, like developer tools and infrastructure, right? Like blockchain is actually an amazing kind of this serverless vision too, because you know it runs on homogeneous environments um, with with you know non-siloed business logic in smart contract and uh, you know data is shared across different applications. And essentially all um, that developer have to write is a front end, right? And this, in, in the future, a lot of smart contracts will be ready and available. So it's like a super exciting uh, vision and future that really um, attracted me into the ecosystem. And um, I tried to build a couple of dApps first, but couldn't bring myself to launch any of them. And, um, you know, uh, eventually realized, hey, like, it's actually really hard um, to, to use MetaMask to interact with these applications for mainstream kind of users. Um, so essentially decided to kind of uh, figure out ways to tackle this problem. Um, and, um, you know, realize it's more of a key management issue than usability issue. Um, and the goal is to really um, iterate closely with customers and partners to, um, um, to, to, find out the spot that they're the most comfortable with. Um, and then um, after some early discussions with developers, I um, connected with my current co-founders and uh, grabbed drink for five hours and next day uh, they, they quit their jobs. <laughs> so that's, uh, here we are. Uh, <laughs> wow. Almost a year later. That's, that's amazing. I hope you were also uh, able to get those developers who were able to hack the Mac kernel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, not quite sure what they're up to now. But um, so, so, so someday you're just going to move on from Formatic and just start raising money for a living. This, this is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not that good. <laughs> I wish I'm really good. <laughs> I don't know, man. People just quit their jobs the day after, you know, having five, five hours worth of drinks with you. <laughs> Maybe they had a lot of drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's probably one of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. <laughs> so what are the current challenges as a founder of the formatting you're facing with right now? Yeah, I'd say for me, it's really um, a context switching. Right, really, really takes a toll on me, right? Like as a, as a founder, right? Um, especially me, I was really, really focused on product and I really care about, you know, every single detail. Um, but, you know, as the founder and CEO, I have to do, you know, a lot of other things like external communications, telling people more about, you know, what Fortmatic do, uh, meeting different people, right? Getting more partners. Um, so there's a lot of love so my time is, is basically split up into like these fragments, which makes me like really hard to get in the flow and then um, to, um, you know, basically really focus on the product and the details. But, you know, we, we still um, have a really incredible team that, um, you know, really is really detail oriented so that, you know, we, we can continue to deliver, um, you know, these high quality features. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, another question, uh, what kind of products out there in the blockchain space do you find the most exciting? Yeah, there's, um, 
there's quite a bit, right? So I'm actually very um, excited about what token sets may be able to do. Um, because for a new user um, trying to enter the space, there's, um, and, and you know, right now DeFi like, or decentralized finance is a very um, popular and it's gaining a lot of momentum. Um, but, it, but still for a new user, it's relatively difficult to, for them to kind of understand everything, right? Um, and then to decide for themselves. But with sets, you can create a combination of tokens and um, have, yeah, and each of these tokens have its own properties, um, which, which is, you know, very interesting. So now anyone who can code can compose a set token using all these decentralized finance protocols um, to create something that's for a specific type of users and then instantly have this token available on all decentralized exchanges uh, for users across the world. And I think this is, you know, a, a huge deal. So, because um, users are very familiar with things like Wealthfront, right, ETFs, um, and now you have that for the blockchain, right? So, um, especially given things like UMA protocol, right? Um, you can maybe in the future um, digitize like real world assets, like S&P 500, right? You can do S&P 500 right, leveraged, uh, pack into set right um, with 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 Bitcoin. So there's like you can be really really creative with it, and it's uh, it's gonna be uh, amazing. Wow! Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it, you know, and, you know, and there's there's so much other cool ideas too, right? Like um, uh, recently, there's the launch of a pool together. So essentially, it's a it's a lossless lottery. Um, you know, it, it sounds sketchy, but it's actually a really cool idea um, because you can uh, kind of pull together um, tokens in a smart contract, right? And this smart contract uh, will use this token um, and leverage a compound protocol to generate interest. So, it, and then when the pool ends, the, you pick one winner who receive all the, the tokens uh, that's generated from the interest. And uh, also, every participant will get back their original money they put in. So, you know, this is like a really cool concept that's, you know, not really um, possible kind of given, um, you know, the, the traditional kind of world. I see. So, what advice would you give to blockchain entrepreneurs right now, like who is trying to get into blockchain, they're have some idea, what would you advise them to do right now? Um, you know, there's, there's so much, right? And I, I think for, for me, um, it, it feels like it's very important to focus on like user and customer experience. Um, it's, it's actually something that's really hard to justify uh, in this world right now because um, uh, you know, people tend to see user and customer experience as something that you can just like, slap on, like a feature. Um, but it's not really that. It's like a mentality that is oriented towards users with, you know, really strong empathy, right? And basically, every decision you do, um, every team member you bring on board needs to have that empathy towards um, the users to build a product that. Um, is actually usable, right? Or is appreciated by 
um, by your users. And especially given um, the kind of, um, you know, the, the limitations of the ecosystem right now, um, it's actually quite difficult for really, really new users to understand adapt and you know what blockchain is so so the applications have to do um you know as a developer you have to do a lot of the extra work in your user experience to kind of handheld the users and make sure that they understand what's going on right without um without just you know dropping them straight into the, the environment so um you know for example um you know crypto kitties was very successful because you know, they're one of the first applications that really had like this MetaMask kind of onboarding guide, right? That's with, with you know, very well-crafted illustrations, right? So the user feel kind of the delight, the, the interestingness for, of, of this, this application, right? And it gives them this excitement and, and delightfulness to actually use it um, and then to purchase the, uh, the CryptoPDs. <laughs> Yeah, totally. That makes perfect sense. So I got maybe like a couple more questions here that are somewhat related and I'm going to kind of just ask them all at the same time and <laughs> this is kind of bad form, but maybe you'll kind of get where I'm going with this. Um, you know, we talk a lot about blockchain mass adoption, right? And that's kind of a nebulous concept. We don't necessarily yeah. know what that means. Um, I think, you know, in one sense, blockchain's already happened in another sense, like it can always grow, right? And more and more people can yeah. use it. Um, so maybe like, what does that look like to you? Is that a good goal? Um, what are the barriers to getting there if we're not there right now? And do you see a path forward? Um, yeah, so I, I see it as, um, you know, there are three pillars to um, the kind of adoption, right? Um, so Right now, I think we're, you know, kind of at the really, really early stage, right? For example, um, for example, Bitcoin, right? Like basically, you know, everyone has heard about it, right? Like even if they don't understand it. So um, to some ex extent, um, blockchain is getting a lot of mindshare, right? And that's actually what's needed for something to take off. Um, and, you know, given the kind of um, crypto winter that we experienced, there's a lot of, you know, much more tangible um, development and improvement around infrastructure so that um, we can eventually support like better and better um, decentralized applications, right? That's built on top of the blockchain. So it's, it's on its way there, right? Um, and, you know, back, back to the three pillars, right? I, I see the first one being, um, ecosystem entry, right? So what that means is um, users need, need to be able to get into the crypto ecosystem, right? For example, converting their fiat money into crypto through uh, fiat on-ramp solutions, right? Um, you know, Facebook Libra may, may also be a very good like, option because, um, you, you know, you can instantly tap into like billion users, right? And kind of onboard them into this ecosystem. Right. Uh, once users are into the cryptocurrency ecosystem, then you know the, the benefit of it really shines, right? So you can like kind of now they're free, they can go anywhere and, um, and do all sorts of interesting things on, on the blockchain. Um, 
And you know, there's going to be better regulations too and standardized processes for you know, new startup or cryptocurrency companies to form. Um, and also the, the you know, European PSD2 uh, open banking API, right? That's going to make fiat RF much easier too. So there's, there's a lot of really interesting things going on in the entry pillar, right? So that's, that's really on its way, right? A lot of, a lot of um, new startups, you know, getting funded to do, to do this too, like, you know, Wire and RAM. Um, so, um, you know, then that leads to the second pillar. Um, it's, it's usability. Um, but, you know, to me, it's more like a problem with, um, you know, user-focused and, and key management, right? What I mean that is a lot of people assume usability issue are just people not caring enough, but it's actually people not caring enough of what their users and customers want. Um, so the way I see it is um, key management is really like this lever, right? Um, it's not black and white, custodial or non-custodial. It's actually, you know, to me, it feels like somewhere in the middle um, makes, makes a lot of sense. To yeah, get, totally. You know, to, to get the majority of users, the mainstream users. Um, so it's a process of continuous refinement and, and tweaking and see what users are comfortable with and having the ability to continuously evolve your solution. Um, that's really important um, to us. And then, um, you, know, you know, since we're, we're, we're really trying to um, get mainstream adoption. You know, on the other spectrum, you get uh, these institutional custodians, right? That's the other spectrum where you need to be like extremely secure, right? Or um, like, but, you know, at sacrificing a lot of usability by introducing, um, you know, extra steps. Um, but it makes sense for, you know, people who are securing funds at that scale versus just, you know, kind of general users trying to, um, interact with with you know some games and DeFi applications on the internet yeah totally yeah. i think that's uh i think that's an awesome perspective yeah. and maybe you so it sounds to me like and this is um you know this is something that i've kind of gone back and forth with and i think it depends on the use case but um it sounds to me like you know you're talking about users getting into this ecosystem well knowing that they're using the blockchain because I've sort of heard this thing oh your users don't have to know they're using the blockchain well I don't know what do you think about that yeah um, I think it's actually kind of fun the concept of uh, the blockchain um, and mm -hmm. users are actually familiar with it uh, through games um, so you know one of my cousin he was like a hardcore gamer right and uh, he made a, a lot of money um, by, you know, buying cryptocurrency, like really, really early on. So right. I was really curious and he's not technical at all. Right. So, so, you know, once I went back to China, I asked him, you know, why he bought it. And he's saying that, Oh, cause I play a lot of games and then games have very similar kind of me mechanisms. Right. So you get like the virtual digital currency for the game and then you can trade it. You can kind of make money uh, within the game ecosystem. So when he first saw Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, he felt a lot that uh, it's very similar to a game and he felt like there's, there can be some upside to it. So he just didn't think twice and bought it. Um, so I think, you know, we are actually getting more familiar with, you know, virtual currencies and digital currencies as a concept. Um, you know, there's 
So I think just blockchain alone is not that intimidating of a concept. Um, but what's more intimidating is, you know, kind of the bareness of the interaction. For example, if you interact with a smart contract, um, you know, right now it kind of opens this very generic view for <laughs> users, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. Not, it's not very informative. It's not very, uh, it, it's in fact very scary, right? Um, so uh, it's, it's a lot of these things have to kind of continuously refine. And maybe there's going to be multiple kind of layers built on top of it to abstract uh, some of these away. But I think in general, um, blockchain is becoming less intimidating and cryptocurrency is becoming a more like familiar concept. Right. Yeah, totally. No, I think that's awesome. And I think it's a really great perspective from somebody who's, you know, in their building, uh, you know, these on ramps for users to make it easier and make it, uh, you know, reduce the friction. So that's awesome, Sean. I've really enjoyed uh, you know, having you on the podcast today. I can tell you're, you know, the real deal in there, uh, in the trenches, <laughs> building all this stuff. Uh, so it's, it's been a really great conversation. Uh, before we kind of wrap up here, you know, where can people, if people just want to download or not download, but people want to get started with Fortmatic like today, like how do they do that? Yeah. Uh, they can visit fortmatic.com. So mm -hmm. fort as in a, in a castle of fort and then Matic, like automatic. Mm -hmm. uh, so fortmatic.com, um, you know, it will provide most of the information. We also have, you know, developer documentation with, you know, getting started guide. So, you know, you can kind of just follow that and get started. And I just want to add that if you don't want your users to remember the seed phrase and you can use the Fortmatic to, uh, you know, to let your users uh, use this traditional security models on how they can store their keys so they can use the Fortmatic and no more uh, MetaMask. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for adding that, Roman. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of the um, benefits of Fortmatic too. Um, it's users don't have to remember a seed phrase. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, also, you know, anything else as far as like people find you, are you guys on, uh, you have social media that people can follow? Do you have personal social media that you're interested in people following any of that kind of stuff where we can find more about you, what you're working on? Yeah. Um, so our Twitter is at Fortmatic. Um, and, um, you know, my personal Twitter is underscore Sean Lee. Awesome. S-E-A-N-L-I. Yeah. Very cool. And we can put links to all this in the uh, podcast description so people can check this out. Great. Thank yeah, you for joining us, Sean. Uh-oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us today. No, thanks for inviting me. This has been fun. You know, this is, this is really great. I've enjoyed this conversation and I've even learned a lot myself, so I'm happy that we did this, guys. Awesome. All right. Very cool. Awesome. Well, again, uh, thanks, Sean, uh, for coming on today. Thanks, Roman, for lining this up. This has been a great conversation. I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here today. Everybody go check out Fortmatic now, like right now after you finish uh, listening to this episode. I know I'm going to. It's super exciting. Um, so again, check out the, the podcast description uh, notes for all the links and stuff like that. Um, and until next time, thanks for listening to Adventures in Blockchain. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.